Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. What an awesome presence of the Lord is in this place this morning. Amen. I think it was just spilled over from last night. What a tremendous, tremendous move of the Holy Ghost was in this place. Amen. I, I thank you to whomever is responsible for me being here. Uh, although it ruined a good summer for me, I appreciate your vote of confidence. And I, I do not take this lightly all take it very very seriously thank you for trusting me to do so i give honor to the youth council uh, the ec all the brethren all the ministry Uh, i give honor to you and i feel so humbled to be speaking in your presence today so many friends uh, that i have here i appreciate you being here and i appreciate your prayers Uh, i have my family with me it's a rare occasion these days that my wife and my son and my daughter and myself are all in the same building together. But they are all here today. And uh, many of the saints from Christ's temple, glad to have him here today. Praise God. Love them. Appreciate them. Many saints uh, are at home. They told me they would be listening. I said, don't listen, pray. So if you're listening, quit listening and pray, saints. But I appreciate them. Uh, even our good evangelist that's holding a revival for us. He, he drove up here, him and his wife, Brother Nathan, Sister Allison Cox, to be with us today. I appreciate them. Hallelujah. What a, what a tremendous job Brother Zach Wells did last night. My, my, my. I told his father at the service last night, and I said, now, Brother Wales, he, he hit it out of the park, way out of the park. I said, now, in the morning, if I can find it, I'm just going to go after it and bring it a little bit around first base for us and kind of humble us back down here today. I appreciate the word of the Lord. Amen. Brother Wales ministered to us last night. Hallelujah. I want to meet you over in the book of Genesis, chapter number 22. A couple of very familiar verses of Scripture. Thank you, Brother Mills, for those kind words. I do count him one of my best friends as well. God bless him. Genesis chapter number 22, beginning reading at verse number 15. Again, very familiar story. Genesis 22 and 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, and verse number 17 is sort of the the key text that I want to read to you today. The Lord said unto Abraham, That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. 
and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. I want to talk to us for just a little while this morning about the gate of the enemy. The gate of the enemy. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands toward heaven one more time? Ask God to anoint us in this place. Anoint our hearts to receive. Anoint our ears to hear. Hallelujah, the word of the Lord. We need your anointing, God. We need a touch today. Lord, visit us in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. How many of you are expecting God to talk to us today? How many of you are expecting the Holy Ghost to work in our behalf today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. My parents are listening to me all the way from Aimwell, Louisiana. So shout out to them. Praise God. The text I read to you now. I'm not, a, I'm not a long-winded preacher, so let's get on board and let's, let's do this quick. Let's do this. The text that I read to you, I, I, I want you to understand, first of all, that I do realize. Now, I sat under Crawford Coon for 20 years, and I, I, if I was taught one thing, it's don't take any scripture out of context. So first thing I must do is qualify and put this scripture in its context. And I, I realize that the scripture that I read to you is an Old Testament scripture. And it's to an Old Testament patriarch, and it is concerning Old Testament promise and covenant. However, I do believe that it transcends, and and I do believe that it is for us today, and that it is not exclusive only to the the physical Israelites. I don't believe that at all. Uh, For a few reasons. First of all, because I believe when Jesus said, that he has not come to destroy such things of the law, but he said, however, I have come to fulfill them. And then also, I believe with all of my heart that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable or it is applicable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture, from Genesis 1 to Revelation, all Scripture is for us today. Hallelujah. I believe, I'm sorry, but I believe you don't have to be a physical descendant of Abraham to be considered, according to the Bible, the seed of Abraham. Because... Paul explains to us, it's not by physical lineage, but it is by faith that we have become the children of God. If you you read in the book of 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, you find some verses, and Paul is talking, and he says, are they Hebrew? He says, so am I. He says, are they Israelites? He said, so am I. He says, are they the seed of Abraham? He says, so am I. Now, the reason for the writing of these scriptures is that Paul is confronting a new development 
Uh, at this time, this is in the early fragile stages of the New Testament Gentile church, and they are being bombarded with people that although they have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance and have been baptized in the name of Jesus, they are forsaken to turn away from the law of Moses. And thus, it brings on a new problem. There's, there's the arising of a new doctrine that is, being, is beginning to be developed, and that is that just the new birth experience is not enough, that you must also continue to walk in the law of Moses. And Paul decides, I've got to confront this because this is not right. It has nothing to do with physical lineage. It has nothing to do with being a direct descendant of Father Abraham. He says, but we are made children by faith. And Paul decides, he says, hey, if that's the way you want to play, if you want to claim that physical lineage has to do with being eligible to be a partaker of the, the things of God, he said, I'll play hardball with you. He says, are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. In fact, he goes on and said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He said, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I was raised in the streets of Jerusalem. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. So if you want to say that's what claims you to be a partaker of the things of God, he said, I can play with you. He said, however... And what he's telling these dissentious, selfish Jews is that it has nothing to do with physical lineage, but it has to do with obeying the gospel of Christ. And he, he tells them that by faith we are made the seed of Abraham. He goes on in Galatians chapter 4. He says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you're a son, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, whereby we cry, have our father. He said, wherefore, ye are no longer servants, but your sons. And if you're sons, you're heirs of God through Christ Jesus. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be able to trace your lineage. I mean, in fact, the writer said, don't give heed to endless genealogies. But if you've been born again of the water and of the spirit, you can call faithful Abraham my father. You can say... Praise God. Now, we have established that, first of all, that verse, those verses, apply to us because we are spiritually the seed of Abraham. But the verse goes on to say, it says that in blessing I'll bless thee and in multiplying I'll multiply thee. And I will give unto thy seed, that's us. I will give unto thy seed, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, we've established that we are the seed of Abraham. So let's talk about what this gate is that we're supposed to be possessing and we're supposed to be conquering. 
Now, I think this morning I would be remiss if I didn't mention to you that there is an advantage to a, uh, the literal gate. You see, back then, when the armies could possess or they could control the gate of the city of the ones that they were at odds with or the ones that they were at war with, if they could control what was happening at the gate, at the entrance of the gate, then they could control the exports, they could control the imports, and they could, they could block them off, and they could, uh, they could dry up the city, they could starve out the city until obviously the city would surrender to them. We, we understand militarily speaking that advantage to the gate of a city. But I, I've come to preach to you this morning, there's, there's more to it. And the gate of the enemy entails, there's a lot more dynamics that maybe you haven't thought about when the Bible says that we in 2013 shall possess the gate of our enemy. There's some dynamics that, that you ought to know and you ought to understand when you talk about the gate of a city. First of all, understand that in Bible days, except for maybe the king with his palace, there were no establishments that served as corporate offices and served as business meeting places and served as courthouses and courtrooms for cases to be meted out and to be heard and to be judged. And I'm fixing to give you some Bible example, but I want you to understand with me first and foremost that many times then especially, the city gate served as the courthouse square and it served as the city hall and it served as the financial district of the city. It served as the medical district of the city. Secular affairs. Let me remind you of the story. Abraham was sojourning. He left his home, he left his family, he left his kindred. And his wife, Sarah, died. And he was around the city of Hebron, and so he goes to the city of Hebron, and he finds there a sepulcher, a, a cave in the field of Machpelah. And he wants to purchase this cave from Ephron the Hittite. And so according to the Bible, he calls the elders of the city and he has a business meeting. And the Bible said in the ears, in the audience of the elders of the city of Hebron, he, he convenes this business meeting. He says, I want to buy this parcel of land. I want to buy it for a burying place for my wife. And in, in, the, in the gate of the city of Hebron, the, the figures were given out and, and there was bargaining going on. And he said, I'll give you this. And they said, no, give us this. He said, I'll, I'll give you that. And, and finally, there was an agreement made, business speaking. And then the lawyers and the surveyors came forth. And, and Abraham said, now you boys go make the corners thereof sure. And what he was talking about, go out and survey it and draw me up a plat. I want to do this legitimately. I want this to be legal. And they drew up a title deed. He said, I want a seal upon it. 
And he did this, and they had the witnesses and the ears and the audience of the elders that were gathered at the gate of the city of Hebron. Secular affairs, religious affairs happened. Do you realize that there are some ordinances and some statutes of the law that could only be executed at the gate of the city. When the Bible says a man married a woman, if he found her not to be a virgin, then the Bible says that he was to take her father and her mother and the tokens of her virginity to the elders that were assembled at the gate of the city. And there he made his plea. And there he argued his case. Also, the Bible said, if a man married a woman and the man died, the Bible said that the brother of the deceased man is to go take his brother's wife and raise up seed under his name. But the Bible said if he refuses to do that, then she is go, supposed to go to the elders again, gathered at the gate of the city. And the elders are to call him unto the gate of the city. And the Bible said if he stands to it, in other words, if he continues to say, hey, I don't want to marry her. Then she is to loose his shoe off his foot, spit in his face, and say to him, Thus shall it be done to the man who will not raise seed up unto his brother's house. And these things are to be executed, and they are to be done at the gate of the city. Hallelujah. If, if you wanted to hear the latest news, you went to the gate of the city. If there was a, a, a riot or an uproar in the community, then you went to the gate of the city, and they were talking about it. If something of importance was going on, you found out about it at the gate of the city. If you needed to find someone of importance, you found them at the gate of the city. When the angels of the Lord left Abraham and they went to destroy Sodom, the Bible said they found Lot sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Boaz decided he would play the part of the kinsman redeemer, he found the right man with the right criteria to meet the ordinances of the law concerning the kinsman redeemer. And the Bible said he took him to the gate of the city and there Ruth's case was pleaded. There he spoke it. There he called the man. And there he sealed the deal of Ruth's kinsman redeemer at the Bible says the gate of the city. That's where it happened. All these things. Men were appointed to positions. They were appointed to offices that were held at the gate of a city. When Daniel interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar promoted Daniel to sit in the office of the king's gate. Hallelujah. The city gate was our present day Wall Street. The financial district was there. The Old Testament prophet Elisha prophesied and said, About this time tomorrow shall a measure of fine flour and two measures of barley be sold for a shekel of silver at the gate of Samaria. Hallelujah. Key people 
stood by the gate. Religious people, lawyers, politicians, business entrepreneurs looking for possible business opportunities, waiting for possible prospects, listening for a hint, watching for a deal, waiting for future clientele. Any type of agenda that was formed, any type of movement that was established, it was spearheaded at the gate of the city. Such was the atmosphere of the gate of a city. You say, Brother McClure, why are you preaching this at a national youth conference? Because anytime you have an entity with so much potential and so much power, and you got you got a, you anytime you got an entity with so much energy, you can rest assured that the devil is gonna try to get a hold of it. He's gonna try to pervert it. He's gonna try to turn it to his advantage. But I've come to preach to There's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of energy here. There's a lot of power here. And anytime you've got that much potential in an entity, the devil is going to try to take control of it. He's going to try to pervert it. He's going to try to use it to his advantage. Mordecai, when he heard about the murderous plot of Big Than and Teresh, to kill and to murder King Ahasuerus. The Bible says that he heard it sitting in the king's gate. But the king's gate is a deceptive place because ironically, he didn't only hear about the murder of King Ahasuerus, but he heard about his own murder to murder him and all of the Jewish nation when he wouldn't bow to Haman and his tenants sitting in the king's gate, the Bible tells us. When Absalom began to plot and to ploy to take away his father's throne. When he began to rebel against his own daddy, he began to slither out his conniving, his evilish, his devilish plan to take control of the throne of his father. And the Bible says that this evil plan was slithered out at the gate of the city. For the Bible says that Absalom turned the hearts of the people to him sitting in the city gate. Hallelujah. There's been evil plans contrived around the city gate. There's been some crooked political schemes pulled at the city gate. There's been good people plotted against at the city gate. There have been adulterous relationships birthed at the city gate. Truth has been twisted at the city gate. Good people have been thrown under the bus at the city gate. Reputations have been destroyed at the city gate. Evil influence has been forced on others at the city gates. Conspiracies thrive at the city gate. Joab suckered Abner and smote him under the fifth rib and murdered him, the Bible said, in the gate of the city. David said, they that sit in the gate speak evil against me. I want you to understand this morning Amen, what the gate represents. I'm talking about more than a literal. I'm talking about more than iron hanging on hinges. I'm talking about a world. 
I'm talking about an evil world. I'm talking about an evil dominion that's trying to get in the church of the living God. But the Bible says, if you've been born again of the water and the spirit, these things... I'm not talking about a literal gate. I'm talking about a world of wickedness. The Bible says that Lazarus was laid at his gate daily. It wasn't his gate. The Bible says he was a beggar. He, he wanted to eat the crumbs that fell from the masters. He didn't have anything. It wasn't his gate. It was his world. It was his handicap. It was his psychological hell. It was his emotional prison. It was his spiritual battleground. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hear me, young people, today. We're not playing patty cake with God, but the devil is in an all-out war to get your soul. Hear me, young people. The devil don't mind at all ruining your life with pornography. The devil does not mind at all ruining your life with prescription drugs. The devil doesn't mind, young person, talking in your ear about contemplating suicide. That's his world. That's his realm. That's what he does. He wants to destroy the church. Hail. Hail is out at any time to any one of us. To launch an all-out attack on the church in a conspiracy against the people of God. Rebecca, which, mind you, is a type of the church, when she left her house and she was headed to meet her espoused husband, she's a type of the church. In her journeys before she left, her sisters said to her, they said, Rebecca, if you'll let me say it this way, they said, church... Your seed shall possess the gate of them that hate you. This is not patty cake. This is serious business. This is not a little trivial matter. Hell hates the church and makes no bones about it. It's out to get the church. But before I go any further, let me remind you of the scripture that Jesus said to Peter. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. I know it's a cold world. I know it's a wicked world. I know this is a coliseum, but when born again people of God walked in here this morning, this became a different world. That's why the writer said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We're thankful because this is a different world. This is a different place. We have victory. 
or ye have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to the new Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, and to the general assembly of the firstborn, and to Jesus. I'm here to tell somebody today, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. It's a different world in here. It's, a, it's an evil world out there. David almost got in trouble a few times because he couldn't do, differentiate. He, he couldn't see the difference. He says, he tells us one time, he said, my feet had well and I slipped. I was backslid, if you'll let me put it in our terminology. Because I got to looking at the world. And I couldn't see that they were any different than us. I couldn't differentiate between the two. It looked like they had the same benefits as the church's God. He said, until I came into the house of the Lord. Until I came into the church. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to preach about the church today. I believe in the church. I don't believe in the predestination of anything but the church. If you want to be saved, all I tell you is get in the church and stay in the church. The church is going to make the rapture. The church is the only thing that's already been bought, already been purchased by His blood. Then, then, then David, he really, he really got in trouble with God one time because of this. Do you remember the story when David decides to number Israel? He sends Joab, he says, number them. And even Joab tells David, it's not good. But David... Bible said, however, Joab, you know, he, he honors the king, so he goes out. He numbers Israel. You remember the story. As soon as Joab brought the number back to David, the Bible says that David realized he messed up. His heart smote him. God was angry with David. He said, David, you messed up. You've sinned. He said, now choose you one of three things, either seven months of famine, three days of being overtaken by the enemy, or three weeks rather. And he said, or three days of the plague. And we know the story, David chose the plague. There was an angel of the Lord that came with a sword and he went through the land of Israel, annihilating, decimating, taking them out, killing them. Not regarding man, woman, boy, girl, child, baby. Now, I want you to understand something about this. Do you know why David got in trouble with God? It was not because he numbered Israel. That wasn't the deal. But it was because he didn't do it right. It was because beforehand, 
God had set a precedent and God had made a decree and made a law. He had already told Moses, he said, when you number Israel, he didn't say don't do it. He said, but when you number Israel, he said, you must receive from their hand a half shekel of silver. It is the price of redemption. When you number them, you must take this. You must take this, this half shekel of silver that is the price of redemption. It's the only way you can number David didn't do that. He didn't take from them the price of redemption. David got in trouble because he simply counted Israel among the general population of the world and he got in trouble because he did not count them as redeemed of the Lord. You don't put the church in the same basket with the world. We're two different creatures. We don't weigh in to the statistics of the world. Rehab centers don't figure in the church when they go to figuring success and failure reports. The world don't figure in the church when you go to talk about marriage and divorce cases. The world, you can't figure in the church when you go to talking about unemployment statistics because I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. You don't do that with the church. part of the church of the first four. Thank God I've let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't figure me in with the world. Writer in the New Testament he tells us about the stories and the lives of the men of the Old Testament. I didn't say it, but he said it, Paul said, that these men and their life stories are given to us, the New Testament church, as our example and given to us for in samples what he says. James said in his epistle, he says, and if you'll just let me put it in my terminology, let me give you, he actually gives us the reverse. He gives us the negative. Let me give you the positive of what James says. James says, if a man wants to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, and he wants to be perfect, he said then he takes this Bible and Mind you, James didn't have the New Testament. All he had was Old Testament. All he had was David and Samson. <laughs> James said that the perfect man, the man that is a doer of the word and not a hearer only, he takes this Bible, he takes the word of God, he opens its pages, and he looks into it, and when he reads about David, he says he sees himself. He said, it's like a man beholding his natural face in a looking glass. I'm reading about me. Brother Wells, I hope you're listening because you just about ruined an entire sermon last night. I'm going to preach it anyway, though. We read the story 
Brother, my shirt's pitiful to you. Is this going to offend anybody if I just go ahead and undertake it? I'm going to act like I'm in Jesus. My raisin's coming out. Brother Coon, don't listen, brother. I didn't untuck my shirt. Samson, Brother Wells mentioned it last night, and he actually said, one of the few things that Samson was commendable for, he said, and Samson, he went into the, the city of the Philistines, to the city of the enemy. I know Samson had some issues. We learned about that last night, but we do find him in the faith chapter of the book of Hebrews. Samson made it. Somehow or another, he got through it all. And we find him before he cut his hair, before he lost his vow with God. We find him in the city of the Philistines. And the Bible says that the Gazites, when they heard that Samson was there, they went to the gate of the city. And they said, Samson is here. And they barred the gate. They shut the gate in on Samson in the city of Gaza. And they said, we'll hold him prisoner until daylight. Bible said they, they said these things quietly, coyly. They was persnickety at the gate. They said, in the morning, we'll kill him. But at midnight, I'm like Brother Wells now, don't that sound familiar? And at midnight, Samson woke up. He walked over, he was going home. He walked over to the gate of Gaza and he saw that it was shut. He saw that it was barred too and he saw that he was in prison and he saw that they was fixing to destroy him and they was fixing to kill him but something come up on Samson and the Bible says that Samson went to the gate of Gaza. He got the doors, the post, gate, bar and all the Bible says. And he picked it up on his shoulders. He went for seven miles to the city of Hebron and he threw it down. You say, Brother McClure, what's so special about that? Especially after last night. Here's what's so special about it. That ain't about Samson. That's about me. That's about you. to live under the spirit of fear we have not been given the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind I don't have to live in oppression from this wicked world I can be victorious for we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus glad to be a part of the church today by the way Samson Walked seven miles with the gates on his shoulders. Threw him down at the gate of Hebron. Gate of Hebron, the city of Hebron was the first city of refuge. Hebron means fellowship or communion. It means congregation, if you will. Samson brought it to the church and laid it down at the church in an effort. Wait a minute. In an effort to warn us about the end time. And against the dangers of the end time, the writer said, forsaken not the assembling of yourselves together.
For the weapons, that's a weapon against this evil day. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Church is not a place for you to get your social on. Church is not a fashion show. Church is not an ego trip. This is a tool. This is a weapon of our warfare. This is... This is our defense from the world. This is our defense from hell. This is all we got. Now, think about this. When Ezekiel said, when the people of the land come in before the Lord in the days of the solemn feast to worship, they that come in through the south gate Let me talk to us preachers just a minute. Too many times, and I, I was raised in a Christian home. I, didn't, I ain't never been to another church. I ain't never known nothing but oneness. There's a lot of double negatives in that, but it's the truth. I cut my teeth on one God, Jesus' name, baptism. I got the Holy Ghost at Camp Olive when I was 12 years old, speaking in other tongues. That's all I've ever known. But a lot of times, especially in 2013, we don't understand the conditions, what gate people are coming in nowadays when they walk into our church. When they come in the south, when they come in the back door, we don't understand what kind of hell that they just left. We don't understand, especially young people, we don't understand what kind of abusive situations they come. We don't understand what kind of addictions that they're, that they're bearing when they come in the back doors of the church. I got, a, I got a lady in my church. She told me at nine years old, a young lady, nine years old, she said I was rolling marijuana cigarettes. Nine years old. We don't understand. I don't. I'm afraid too many times pastors and preachers don't realize the condition of the world now in 2013 when they open the door, when they come in the south gate of the congregation. Got a man in our church a little over a year ago. He come to the church, he was drunk. I wasn't there, I was out of town. My wife was over at the fellowship hall, heard some ladies and she talked to her. She said, come back to church such and such a night. He came back, he was an alcoholic. He got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. He, 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 for several weeks, he done good. He didn't drink anything. He was dry. Then one day, he fell off the wagon. And this is another, another message in itself. You think it won't matter. You say, oh, I can just get back up and repent, but it don't work that way. I'm telling you, since that day, since a little over a year ago, he's been fighting tooth and toenail. He'll get in the church and we'll pray for him. And I can't say, as of today, right now, he's doing good. But he, throughout the last year, he's fell off the wagon so many times.
He got a good job. That's what the church will do for you. He got a good job, a real good job. He was making good money, but they fired him for coming in drunk one morning. He lost his job. He didn't have anything. No money. And I was trying to help him out a little bit. I'd see him up around the church and I'd give him a little money. I'd say, go get the weed eater and weed eat all these flower beds. And here's your little grocery money. I was trying to help him out. And let me just go ahead and say right here, I, I don't know what you fellas preach. But I preach in Gina, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what kind of addiction's got you bound. Don't quit coming to church. I don't care if you smell like cigarettes and you smell like alcohol. You ain't got no hope in the world. That world will tear you to pieces. That world don't give a dime about you. That world don't care about you. You keep coming to church. The only hope you got is in the church. You just keep coming to church. But I was working with him last week, actually in, in preparation for this service. I spent a couple days at the church at my office. And he come up one day, and I mentioned the camp at Allah. They was having their camp meeting last week. And I, I asked him, I said, brother, you want to go to church with me tonight? He said, yeah, I'll go with you. So I told him, I said, be back up at the church such such time. You can ride with me. So that evening... He comes back up to church, he gets in the pickup with me and we're headed up to Allah. While I've got him in the truck, it's just me and him. Brother Miles, I think I'm fixing to do some pastoring. I'm fixing to lay it on him. I said, brother, the first thing you need to do, you need to find you a job. I said, when you get a job, you need to start saving up some money and you need to move out of that neighborhood that you're living in. He was living in a drug infested world, just, just a bad, he was living in the bad part of town. And in Gina, that means about 350 feet from the good side of town. <laughs> he was living in a bad subdivision, a little community. And I said, you need to get out of there. That's not good for you. You're never gonna overcome all that. He just hung his head. And I promise you, I was already feeling this message in my spirit. He looked at me, he said, yeah. He said, but Brother McClure, you know what the worst thing about it is? He said, in that subdivision, he said, I live right by the gate. I see all the drug trafficking. I hear all of their worldly music in the wee hours of the morning. I hear all the voices of perversion and of adultery. I witness firsthand all of these things. I smell the dope. I smell the alcohol. It's so close, it's too close to me, Brother McClure. I live by the gate. Let me step aside right here and do a little pastor. Young people, that's why your pastor gets up every once in a while and preaches about some things that you've got in your life. You may not understand them, but they're too close to the world. Thank God for Brother Wells preaching it last night, but that's why your pastor gets it. You may not understand it, but that's why he talks to you about sports because he realizes it's a gate. It's the entrance to a world you can't handle and to a world. That's why your pastor preaches against you dating people that don't have the Holy Ghost. Because he knows it's the entrance to a world with too many crooks and too many turns and too many twists that you can't handle it. It's too much negative influence. 
He said, Brother McClure, I live right by the gate. I live too close to the gate. We don't understand a lot of times, Brother Young, the condition of even teenagers, even preteens, when they walk in the back doors of our church. But Ezekiel said, when the people of the land come in before the Lord in the days of the solemn feast to worship, he put that disclaimer on it. For we know that they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. You can only worship being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, if they come in the south gate and they worship, they got to leave out the north gate. They can come in under addiction and under oppression and under obsession. He said, but if they can get the Holy Ghost, they'll leave out in another kingdom, in another world. Stand with me. The church, according to Psalm 1, is a place of blessing. The church, according to Psalm 91, is a secret place. The church, according to Psalm 18, is a large place. The church, according to Psalm 24, is a holy place. Psalm 26, it's an even place. Psalm 66, it's a wealthy place. Psalm 74, it's a dwelling place. I thank God I'm in the church. When Absalom rebelled against his father, David took the humble side. He left Jerusalem. He crossed the brook Kidron, and he went down by the river. The Bible said a man by the name of Shimei came out against him, and across from the river, across from the creek, began to sling stones, began to throw rocks at David. Let me chase a rabbit here. If you're in the will of God and you're living right and you're in truth, you will get stones hurled at you. You will receive mockery and persecution. But if you're right and you know you're right, John said, we know that we know. You don't have to justify one thing you're doing. David said, the Lord is in control of this and the Lord will take care of him. Don't worry about it. Later on, David has given the kingdom over to Solomon. He's reminding him of things, and he says, oh yeah, Solomon, remember Shimei. He said, let me tell you what he did to me that day. He rehearsed the story into Solomon's ears, and David said, you know what to do with him. You handle him the way you see fit. A little bit down the road, Solomon calls Shimei in. He says, now, I know what you did to my daddy. And he says, read it for yourself. Solomon says, you're worthy of death. You should die. But Solomon says, but my father has shown mercy on you. And so, as long as you'll stay in Jerusalem, you'll be all right. But the day that you set foot out of Jerusalem, 
said, you're going to die. Can we not see ourselves in that, brethren? We was worthy of death. I was a sinner on my way to hell. But my father had mercy on me. But the only stipulation he's given me, he said, I can only guarantee your safety if you'll stay in Jerusalem, if you'll stay in the church. If you get outside of those walls, it's dangerous. There's a world out there. There's a spirit out there. I don't, I don't mind telling you, even early this morning, I, I was fixing to ditch this mess, just throw it aside. But in prayer, and this is the reason I preached this message this morning, because what I'm fixing to tell you. I believe the Lord influenced me and showed me and said, Brother McClure, no doubt in this 2013 peak conference, youth conference, there's going to be a lot of young people that come here this week. They're going to socialize. They're going to post pictures. They came because their youth group was coming. They come because it was summertime and it was something to do. They're going to go back home in a few months. It's just going to be a few pictures in their Instagram. It'll be over. This is what I was impressed with. This is the reason I preached this. But I felt like the Lord said, but there's some there that Brother McClure, they've come to this peak conference. And he'd laid all this on me about this gate and what kind of world they're living in. And they've come here this week, today. And if they don't get something revolutionary, if they don't get something that breaks the chains off of if they don't get a hold of something, then next year, 2014, they won't be here. You say, that's cruel. That's the world. Hell don't care. So this is what I want us to do in just a minute. I want them to start singing. Obviously, we can't all get down here to the front. I want you to lay your hand on the person beside you. Chances are you don't know them. That speaks even further. You don't know what they're dealing with in their hometown. You don't know what they're dealing with in their house. You don't know what they're dealing with on their job. Chances are that they're your best friend. But I'm here to tell you the way the world operates, you still don't really know what's going on in their life. They may be putting on a good front, but they may be fighting hell at home. Somebody needs some deliverance here today. I think I hear some chains falling off. I think I hear some bars hitting the ground. I think some gates of hell are being lifted. I think there's some dominions. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. 